0: Hello and welcome to Abernethy Archives. This is the brand new podcast of the Museum of Abernethy. Um, We're going to talk to people and to each other about old stuff to do with the Museum of Abernethy. We also plan to talk a little bit about the problems faced by we independent museums and how we're trying to address them. Things like funding, volunteers, outreach and accessing museum resources. Things that, that we need, that big museums have. Um, We're hoping to try and do this once a month, um, but let's see how it goes. So, I'm Irene Halliburton. I'm a trustee of the Museum of Abernethy. Um, Currently, I'm a PhD student of Scottish History at the University of Dundee. I've also worked a bit in museums and once upon a time worked in science. Um, I was born and brought up in the area, in the village just along the road, Aberarghy and there was no fights in between us, so it was okay. I went to primary school in Abernethy with my co-host, who is Anna Cunningham. Anna, would you like to introduce yourself?
1: If I must. (laughs) The most reluctant co-host ever. My name is Anna Cunningham and I am also a trustee in the museum. I work in the public sector in my day job and have a special interest in the history of effluent or jobbies to most people. I was also born and brought up in Abernethy and was the year below Irene in primary school. Um,
0: I never bullied you though.
1: Totally, you did. <laughs> we met when we were three at the playgroup. I know. And you hit me because I wouldn't give you the toy you wanted. <gasps> and I've been doing what you tell me ever since. Is, <laughs> including this including podcast. This podcast yeah. 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 So we're going to
0: start today just by telling you a little bit about our museum, um, starting with where we actually are. So this is Abernethy, Perthshire, Scotland, not Abernethy in Saskatchewan, or I think there's a few Abernethys in America. Um, this is the original, and we would like to say the best. Um, it's uh, on the River Tay, just on the south bank, to the east of Perth. Now, if you can hear scrabbling in the background, um, we have a small dog who is making himself heard at the moment, yes. but he he'll be very quiet. Our
1: ambassador dog.
0: Our ambassador dog, yes, but he's, he's very good. You'll behave himself. Um, yeah, so Abernethy is on the south bank of the Liberté, about five miles east of Perth. And the Museum of Abernethy has been here, Well, we opened in the year 2000, we actually opened by uh, Magnus Magnuson. Mm. in May 2000, um, the site where the museum is uh, lay, lay within the lands of a Calde's monastery. Uh, during the medieval period there was a croft here uh, and by the 18th century the byre stable and cattle shed that the museum's in, and we are in the museum just now, had been built Around 1806, the farm was sold to Dr. Robert Guthrie, who built Mornington House, which is just to the north of the museum. Our next door neighbours. Our next door neighbours, yeah, who are very good neighbours. They're excellent neighbours. They give us courgettes. They give us courgettes and we sell their honey. Um, So if you're in the museum, come and buy some honey. Uh, So gradually the buildings fell out of agricultural use. And the reed was rented to a gentleman called Andrew Wilkie who started the first car repair garage in Abernethy around 1900 and the other buildings were just used for storage and remained like that until the early 1990s. In 1994 restoration began on the building in preparation for creating a museum. There was lots of work needed done as the building was starting to fall down so they stabilized the back wall, made a new roof, and redid the floor we've actually still got part of the original cobbled floor in the museum and they moved around the internal walls put in underfloor heating and just made it suitable to house the treasures of Abernethy and then in yeah, May 2000 we we opened to the public and I think were you there Anna? I was not, you was not, not here. No. I was here and I saw Magnus Magnuson wow it was a wondrous thing
1: I did see Magnus Magnuson here before that though. Yeah. Oh I did you. Yeah, the long history well, I say a long history of Abernethy. He was he definitely here twice. Okay. Um, because back in the nineteen eighties, I think we were probably in the brownies. Mm-hmm. Um, the Brown Tower, which is possibly um, the most famous yeah. thing in Abernethy, even more famous than the museum. Yes. if you can credit that. Sorry, I forgot um, to mention you forgot the Round Tower. How could you forget our hashtag I mean, Very Famous Tower?
0: Very famous tower. Very
1: famous tower. Very famous tower. Um, It was refurbished because the internal staircase which had been made of wood had rotted and was unsafe Um, and money was acquired from somewhere and it was refurbished and a nice shiny metal staircase put in and proper lighting and it was made safe and Magnus Magnusson came to reopen it. Oh, so he opened the
0: tower too. Maybe that's when I was here. Because in 2000, I wouldn't have been anywhere near the village.
1: No, I definitely wasn't.
0: No, I think when you're really... Abernethy's the sort of place that there's not an awful lot here, and it's difficult for kids to find things to do. Yes. So when you're in your late teens and early 20s...
1: You're planning for
0: your escape. You really are planning your escape. But I think most people from Abernethy never kind of... Lose an attachment no, to Abernethy? I don't
1: think so. And the, the, to be fair, there were more things to do when yeah. they were growing up here. Yeah, um, like a lot of places, it's become a wee bit of a commuter town. Yes. Um, which also seems very depressing. You should all come though. <laughs> <laughs> if more people but, come and want to do things here, things you know, if you build it, they will come.
0: Yeah, but that kind of leads us on to like what we've actually got in the museum. Yes. So. The aim of Abernethy Museum obviously is to collect things about the history of Abernethy Museum, but we're really keen to also include the developments in Abernethy. Mm-hmm. So while we've got things, we've got displays in the museum that go right from the Kirpoo logboat, which is currently under conservation um, and will be in the new Perth Museum when it opens, but the Kerpu logboat. I always like to think actually belongs to us. I think it's ours. However, it's so big that it would be the only thing we could actually fit in the museum. That's also true. Yes. So we just have to kind of we let Perth Museum keep it. They look after it and we keep an eye on them to make sure that
1: they'll be. To be fair, we didn't exist when it was excavated, did we?
0: No, I don't think we did actually. I think it was before the museum opened. Yeah, it might have been.
1: but we do have some lovely pictures and we have a scale model mm-hmm. um, and a little video that people can watch all about yeah. the excavation. So
0: So we go right from that kind of Bronze Age prehistory. Um, there's a there's an Iron Age hill fort by pits. Abernethy. We've got Picts. We've, we've got some fabulous Pictish stones. Oh, yes. Um we have a Roman uh, legionary fortress nearby, also at Kirpu. Um, ah, Car- was the place to be in the Carpu was the place to be. Um, Carpoo is where the River Ern joins onto the river Tay. Mm. And the Tay, for probably as long as there have been people, has been a route from the North Sea in well into the interior. Mm. Um, so that Carpoo, we actually think. That there, and we'll probably talk about this in more detail at some other point. We actually think that there, there's been a landing place or a port mm. at Kirpu for probably, oh, I would like to say at least 4,000 years. Mm. So the Bronze Age log boat was just at Kirpu. We know that the Romans used the rivers. There are agricultural adverts from the 18th century that. Um, advertise farms on their proximity to being able to get yeah. boats from the tea up into the urn to take improvements
1: to to the land um oh it was the, the river was the mode of transport wasn't it before the, river, rivers kind kind the before mode roads of became um you know basically collection well they've kind of gone back to being basically collections of potholes Put yeah, together with some form of surfacing um, but that's how people travelled. Mm. You know, There was a ferry that went back and forth across, yeah. so you didn't have to drive halfway around the countryside if you wanted yeah. to go to Dundee.
0: I mean, I think probably one of the reasons Abernethy's been here for so long is because of the accessibility from mm. the Tay and from the Urn. And the
1: land behind it was extremely fertile. I mean, this yes. the corner of the world isn't known as Scotland's larder for nothing.
0: No, no, it's a mm. very fecund. Piece of, well, that's uh, good work. It's, it's 10 of us a good good morning I know, I know, I was tra- I've was. been practising it all night the lying in the bed peckoned, peckoned.
1: I really haven't, I really haven't You would though, if you thought of it you would have
0: Yeah, I would have done, I would have done. Yeah,
1: cause, I mean, if, if you think, we'd, obviously there are lots of arable farms mm. Fruit growing was a huge industry here Yes, um, the, the berries the and, yeah. the and the church connections between the coldies and the Abbey in the Streetland Doors, just along the road, mm-hmm. um, which is also worth a visit, but you do have to come here first, people. Yeah, please come here
0: first. <laughs> yeah, so Abernethy has a huge expanse of mm. history and we try and have a little bit of everything yeah. um, in the museum. We change things around periodically. We're currently trying to not necessarily change the content, but to update the way it's presented. Um, We've been here for 23 years, which is fantastic for a volunteer-run museum. Um, we couldn't do what we do without, you know, we have no paid staff. Everyone is a volunteer. Katie, who is our producer today, say hello, Katie. Hello. Uh, is a volunteer. Um, she happens to have the, the, Frankly, the, technology, the technology, technology required to do this. So um,
1: yeah, we thought we would, we would give it a go. Our volunteers are are fantastic, and I think because of that, as well as, you know, the the big events in Mm. village history and the way that the village has evolved, which is always the focus for us, we try to have a focus on people and how they lived as well. Um, And the fact that, you know, all our volunteers are local to some degree, whether they were born here or they've moved here, they've come here, made this place their home. Um, Everyone has something to, to bring to the table and a story to tell about the place yeah. and i think that's one of the things that visitors like they're they're not talking to somebody who you know who their livelihood depends on promoting the museum no. they're talking to someone who lives here and understands yeah. the place
0: and we try to represent everyone whether their families lived here for i don't know in the case of mine probably 10 generations to people who have just moved here so we you know we have exhibits on how the place has developed on the new housing that's coming in we're trying to bring in people to tell their stories how did they end up here you might only have been here a month exactly but
1: your your story is important what made this an attractive place to you you know i mean there's there's so much that's gone on over the years and i think driving through Abernethy you would probably think oh well it's got one shop and the tower, which is, as we said, very famous. Mm. Um, you know, uh, there's there's not a lot here, but when you actually get in about it, yeah.
0: there, there's it's a, a surprisingly
1: deck. interesting new place. Yeah. yeah,
0: there's a real depth to Abernethy that we that we try and um, mm. represent.
1: Indeed, we do. Even though we're not that deep. Even though. <laughs> <laughs> even though. Um, not that deep. Can we talk about the
0: chickens now? Can we talk about the chickens? But we well, we've learned um, an, Well,
1: I've learned an interesting fact this morning from talking
0: yeah. to you. So obviously, I'm, I'm I'm doing my PhD, and a lot of my work is on agriculture, and very focused on this area. Um, so I was in I was with my PhD supervisor on Thursday, and. Uh, we were talking about some of the conditions that are in rental agreements or tax. So these are the the lease agreements for farms. And in the 18th century, a lot of the rent was paid in either grain crops, um, but also in what's called cane, which is actually chickens. And we were kind of discussing chickens and how, how you decided how many chickens you paid Mm. per acre um what the monetary equivalent of chickens were and why chickens. Yeah, um there seem to have been
1: on the There was a of lot chickens. of
0: chickens. I There's think a huge number of chickens. and particularly in this area, there weren't a lot of cattle mm. and there weren't even an awful lot of sheep in no, the eighteenth century. It's
1: just arable land, why would you waste yes. that on So it's
0: grain crops Greece. and generally cane chickens. Um so we were discussing, you know, it, sometimes there's a lot of chickens, you what know. For a theory, are
1: we talking about? Here?
0: Well, for part of Kofargi that is maybe, um, I'm thinking about the size of the field, thirty acres. Okay. They were asking for fifty-one chickens a year. That's
1: staggeringly precise. That's, But, well, even stranger... Is is that just like, to the modern mind, you'd think 50 or maybe 55 or...
0: Well, even stranger, I'm averaging this out. Okay. Basically, one year they wanted 50 chickens, and the next year they wanted 52. So it averaged out at 51. How bizarre. And this was every year, and I think it was at Candlemas. Mm. They were expected to hand over all of these chickens. um, Every year for... 19 years, but then this landowner also had lots of other land that was let out to people and the rent included chickens. So for the estate of Kilfargi, say in the year 1770, the landowner would have been getting probably close to 120 hens a year
1: in rent. I've just done a quick calculation, not in my head because I don't really do numbers. But over 19 years, that's 916 yes. chickens.
0: Yeah. What were they doing with all these chickens? Well, this was my thought. Maybe they just ate a lot of chicken.
1: That was quite boring after a while.
0: Well, I don't know. Well, I suppose
1: like, the big landowners would have had banquets and yeah. fanciness. Banquets.
0: They'd have a wee herb garden, probably. Yeah. They've got a bit of time to go with a roast chicken. But yeah, it does sound like they might have been eating chicken every day. But what we got onto was the kind of chicken. Mm. So the tenant farmers would probably have also eaten chicken, but they need their good chicken. They need their female hens to lay eggs Mm. because eggs are continual. You know, once you've eaten a a hen, you've eaten a hen and it can't lay anymore.
1: And you, you need to not kill the hen that lays the golden egg, you, or you won't have any chickens you, exactly. for the next Candlemas. Exactly.
0: Those hens must have been knackered. They must have been working pretty hard. Yeah. However, of each clutch of eggs that hatches, yeah. like normal population, pretty much 50% of a population is male and 50% is female.
1: Mm.
0: Now, the male chickens, they're not really any use for anything. Other than making a noise,
1: for to comment on that.
0: Other than making a noise, we had chickens when I was wee, and the males, if you let them grow up, they just make a noise. Hmm. They all stand about and go oh like this. <laughs> They're just pointless because only one chick. There can only be one cockerel. Hmm. So it's like, um, what's it called?
2: Highlander. From
0: Highlander. There can be only one cockerel that's in charge. Do they give the cockerels a sword? No, they just give them really big combs on their heads. A little head. bit plaid to wonder about. No, big combs just... that
1: they shake while they're growing. It'd be quite a cool remake of Highlander, though, it wouldn't would it? It would be. The chicken version. Be quite <laughs> sorry, I'm getting totally set up here. Yeah, sorry. Yes, yes. But you, we're the missing, we're, we're,
0: we're getting to the, the better bit, the chicken story. Um, yeah, so what I didn't know was that you can castrate male hens. And if you castrate them, they bulk up and make mm. so they bulk up much quicker and make much better eating. Mm. So if you have a clutch and half are male, apparently this is this is what I was told. You all, their their testes are internal. This is the science the science bit of me coming in now. The testes are internal, but you can find them by feeling them. And if you just make a tiny slit. And I can sense all of the men in the world crossing their legs. You make a tiny slit, you can pop the testes out and just snip them off. off. And then those male, uh, the castrated male hens, will bulk up much better and be much better table birds. So we think that the cane for the rent are probably castrated male birds that have been fed up. And this was a revelation to me. I just presumed that they were just... I reckon the chicken that the tenant farmers ate themselves would have been the layers that were past laying. Yeah. So they wouldn't be so nice. But they would bring on these frustrated males Mm -hmm. to be table birds. And I think that they're called capons.
1: And I'd heard of capons. But I didn't yeah, realise that, that that was what they, were. they were. I don't know that that's, that's what they were, yeah. but it still seems... I mean... It just still, still seems an astronomical number yeah. of chickens.
0: I, I suspect that as landowners' holdings got bigger and bigger, because mm. as you go through the 18th century, more of the land is held by fewer people. Yeah. Because
1: um, they all married their cousins and had Well, they all children. married their
0: cousins. Um, there was a real move towards fewer people, being on the land, and that's one of the reasons towns grew, because, you know, the Industrial Revolution meant that there was more work in concentrated settlements, um, and then the countryside needed to make more food to be able to feed the people in the towns. Um, I think it it probably got to a point that even though the official documents said you have to pay in cane, that in reality it, it was being there was a, a monetary, it was being Um and you would just
1: pass it on. Because I mean, those sort of numbers, thinking about this general area, mm. it's almost industrial level production at a time yes. where they didn't have, you know, freezers hadn't been invented. You can just stick a chicken in the freezer for no. a few weeks no. or whatever. Um But even at like that, you'd have needed a very big freezer. Yeah. That, that's fascinating. Yeah. I do not you... know about the chicken castration. I don't, yeah, no, I don't I think know. I'd have liked that job. I don't think that would have been fun no. in any way. No, I don't, I don't think, think about it in a chicken's bum.
0: No,
1: no, I don't think that would have been fun at all. That doesn't seem like you just want to spend yeah. your Saturday.
0: Maybe it would be, it'd be like anything else. It would be one of these skills that, if you lived in a rural environment, it just became something yeah. that you did. You know, like. Very few people nowadays would be happy to kill even a chicken for their own yeah. food.
1: Um. It, it's not. It's not something that it's, people it, like. To do. When, when we were kids, we had all our chores to do on a Saturday morning. Mm. Could you imagine if the last year mum had left you had you know milk the cow, churn some butter, castrate the chickens? Yeah, it probably would be though. Yeah. yeah. Now I think we've got off lightly with things like Hoover the living room and take the rubbish out.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, mine might have involved cleaning out the chickens, because we had mm. chickens, but, yeah, it, it, we never had to castrate them.
1: No, mm. that, that would be mm. also quite fiddly.
0: Yes, because I don't think it would be very big. It, like, it almost sounds
1: like it would be a task that you probably would give to a small child, because yes, you would need got really tiny, little, nimble little fingers. Little fingers. Yeah. Am I overthinking this? I'm, yeah. I'm just kind of... <laughs> morbidly fascinated by the notion of with chicken talking about in a chicken's bum yeah. so
0: that, that, that was my revelation um, from my research this week is, is there anything exciting that you've come across this week?
1: not this week um, oh no we did, we did didn't we? yes as, as I mentioned at the beginning one of my obsessions is with jobbies um, it's not a random obsession although they are never not funny I have something of a background in public health and the history of public health, and have been looking into how Abernethy eventually ended up with proper sewers um, and proper piped water, rather than having to draw your water from the well. Running down the middle of the street. Yes, that basically was how it was. I mean, from from the mid-19th century, um, in the bigger towns and cities... There was after the the greats, particularly after the great stink in London in eighteen fifty eight, I think it was, um, where the River Thames was basically um, solid poo.
0: Nice.
1: Governments started to think about you know we need a better way to deal with these things, um, and we started to see sewers being built and segregated from fresh water supplies because up until that point they hadn't been. Um, so yes, I got a little bit sidetracked by that and was looking into Abernethy's first proper sewage system. It wasn't opened until nineteen thirty. That's quite late, it's isn't very it? Late.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I know that um, Aberarghi didn't get a piped water supply until about that time.
1: Mm. I mean, they had. A piped water supply of sorts mm. not not the way that we would recognize it today it would probably have been a standpipe of some description in yep. in some gardens but only if you were within the borough boundary right and you still had to ask to have the privilege as it's called in the council yeah. yeah. minutes the privilege of the water supply and pay for that um but the majority of people had private wells yeah. um you know they tucked a poo into the shocky at the side of the street i mean. mm. Flowed away down to the river and went out to the River Erne. Um, mm, yeah, mm, mm. And they ate the salmon that came out of that yeah, salmon. Yeah, nice. It's like like industry. Um, but yeah, one of, one of the things I find when I was doing some research into that, in the archive in Perth, mm. they've got uh, a fantastic map. It's huge. And it's got the village and the outlying farms and all the different bits and pieces. And it shows you where the pipes went and where the water storage tanks went and where the filter houses were. And I've been trying to get a copy of that for ages. And the archive in Perth let me take a photo but said they couldn't scan it.
0: It'd be difficult to take a picture of a big map. Yeah, it's, did um, you, did it's you not the like best. Like a helicopter
1: I did. Like I was a, standing yeah. on a chair. I got some very odd looks because I had it on the table. Uh-huh. And I was stood on a chair and I was up and down trying to not have the shadow of my phone on yeah, it. Yeah, and then you want to try and get it square as well, so that you've yeah, got some of keystone. You've, you've commented on my photography skills before straight is not a word that's really <laughs> in my vocabulary. That's um, okay, that's what Photoshop's for. Well, exactly. So, we were having, it. well, you we were really having a look about, mm. was it last weekend? Yes. Um, and shaded me up, and I was very excited because it turns out we have a copy of that map in the museum. So the only thing I still need to try and get now is... The you were
0: you were so excited, Anna, that you hugged me. I know. Sh- and I think in probably that. 50 years of knowing you, that's never happened I don't, I don't,
1: before. I don't hug. I'm, no. I'm very much a touch me and I'll cut you. Kind of person. <laughs> <laughs> I don't invite to that kind of uh, personal contact. Um, so they, we're, we're going to have another bit of a hunt, I think, at a later date, because we want to try and find the plan of the water house Mm. that was inaugurated in 1930 because there's quite detailed engineers drawings again in the archive in Perth um, that I would love to get a copy of Mm because I want to try and build a little exhibit around it at some point in the future um, because it's just quite fascinating. Yeah. I like to think Great Grandad. I saw a thing on Twitter actually through the week Mm -hmm. um, and it was one of these threads that somebody had posted about wood. Would your great grandad understand what you do for a living?
2: And I burst out yes, laughing. You would.
1: Yeah, <laughs> um, because yeah. it was my great grandad was the provost who basically pulled everything together, finally managed to get the funding after many years of fighting, did the work with the Borough Engineer mm-hmm. and they contracted a consulting engineer from Fife. Um, and one of the the things that I have in my personal collection, which makes me sound very grand, it lives in a cupboard in the kitchen. Um, great Grandad was presented with a silver salver, which has an engraving on it of his likeness, and the signatures of Does the magistrates. Like no, it doesn't at all. <laughs> it actually looks a bit like a dad's army character. Oh wow! <laughs> but to be fair, I mean, engraving someone's likeness in silver cannot be terribly no. easy. Um, he, d- he does look a bit like my granddad, mm. which is, I suppose, is a small mercy we should be thankful yeah. for. But it's also got the signatures of the bailies, the magistrates, the ten councillors, the consulting engineer, and the principal contractors. So sure. the engraver had obviously put samples of their signatures and put it in. So.
0: so you have a long family history in. The, of being obsessed with in jobbies. The yeah.
1: Um, yeah. I'll tell you have been adopted by a bookseller in New Yorkshire. Yes, you yeah. did. Who <laughs> yeah. yeah. was quite taken aback that a woman would be interested in
0: yeah, Effluent. yeah You yeah.
1: know, yeah. yeah. as my dad used to say even the queen farts
0: yes she does. She well did. not now she, yes. she, does
1: know. she doesn't know. <laughs> I suppose we'll a lot to change that I think the, the king, king
0: farts he, well, must
1: do. he sometimes looks as if he's holding in a bit <laughs> <laughs> is that me on a list somewhere now <laughs> you're on a list now Anna.
0: you're definitely
1: on a list but, it's, it's probably not the done thing is it if you're going to open on. Public building or an old folks' home or something like that to be wondering about your kilt trumping loudly.
0: Uh, Let's not go there. I'm just thinking of all sorts of scenarios that that could be
2: thought up. um, We would definitely end up on a list. I'm just Um, going to butt in to say that I'm going to ask my stepdad. 'Cause he met the Queen. Right. Oh. Did you so, fart? That's what I'm gonna ask him to. Today. Know. We we need an update on this for I will episodes. find out. But who's gonna pull the map? Yeah, that's Do true. you know what I mean?
1: Yeah. you probably find that there's like a, an embarrassed lady in waiting or an aide in the background going, Oh that
2: was me, sorry
1: <laughs> Oh,
0: there's the royal fart claimer. Yeah. yeah. Maybe that's a, a title, eh? I am the I am the claimer of the royal. F- well, no, that's
1: not. That's that's not actually as ridiculous as you might think. Because did kings in days of yore not have things like the gentleman of the wardrobe? And it wasn't a wardrobe in the way that we would think of somewhere to store clothes. It was mm. basically a cupboard in their chamber, mm. where they would be, you know, oh, on the third floor that, yeah. of their castle, yeah. and the cupboard would have a hole and a little seat yes. in it, and bombs away, lads. Yeah. And the gentleman the... of the wardrobe was responsible for keeping it clean.
0: Yes, the guard room.
1: Yeah. yeah. yeah so great. you don't know, that that may have continued through time. It might have done. Might Who do we know that could find out? Do you think your stepdad would know? I'm gonna ask. Oh, I think you have
2: yeah. to. What did he meet the Queen for? He, the Queen visited Highland Spring. Oh, okay. uh, it was about 2017 or 22. It was on her final visits to Scotland, right. pre-pandemic, wow. yeah. and they had a new Warehouse or bottling line or something that was being officially opened. Okay. And Highland Spring picked different people who worked in different parts of the process. And my stepdad, who was absolutely delighted because he's from Lancashire and big royalist growing up, and his mum was, and everything as well. And he, he was one of the people chosen. And apparently, Her Majesty came in and, you know, was introduced to my stepdad and oh she said what do you do and he kind of explained and she said oh that sounds terribly important now my stepdad basically helps shape the bottle molds that become the water bottles oh well, that is quite important so isn't it not? and he, apparently he just went he, he didn't really answer <laughs> yes, and, wow. and then off he went but they had to have proper meetings with protocol and this is how you wow. you you know if she goes to shake your hand this is how you do it this is the word uh, you use and they were it was like a training session yeah for I the met
0: people. the Duke of Edinburgh came to open a bit at my old work and we were all given given instruction yeah, he maybe. was actually
2: really nice. Yeah. I well, ever. I think the Duke, of Edinburgh, the Duke of Edinburgh might have been there as well, or it might have been one of the ones I that know. she did by herself because but he was a wee bit like twenty seventeen, twenty eighteen, 2018 something no, like me. that. Yeah.
0: They were both up at that point, but they were doing
2: different things. He came to things.
0: us and she did something else in
1: Dundee yeah. the
2: same day. Yeah. yeah. But mm-hmm. yeah, that was, but that was over in Blackford. That wasn't in Abernethy. No. Yeah. But he—he, he, your stepdad—is now the nearest thing we have. Yes. To an expert. To on a royal fart claimer. Royal ablutions. Yeah. So. I'll you, ask him if he would have claimed. On the podcast? I—I'm going to ask him if he would have claimed the Queen's fart if she had farted in his presence. It would, it would probably depend, wouldn't it? Like if it was
1: a really loud, fantastically, you know, tuneful one, yeah. you'd, be, you'd be quite proud you'd of be that. You'd be like, "Well done, well done, man! On yourself, Liz." Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: Name that tune in. <laughs>
1: But silent but violent, you'd say it wasn't me. No,
0: no, no, a really stinky one, like a real protein mm. fart.
2: It's <laughs> a <the> power lifter. <laughs> anyway. Yes, moving. Forward. Anyway. See, I told you you would
1: regret making me do this. That's
0: fine. I can... You
1: knew I was going to lower the tone. <laughs> it can all be cut out. If That's true. It. Yeah, Katie did give us a lecture at the start and warned me. But yeah. I do have edited powers, yeah, so has you can bribe ideas. me. You can't talk about public health in any context without no. mentioning poo. No. So you know it yeah. is relevant. Because
0: the the base the base you know the kind of reason public health started to come about was to do with poo.
1: It was. You know, it, it was, was it was
0: poo management because people were getting ill because there was poo everywhere.
1: Well, exactly. And doctors believed that you got ill from bad smells, mm-hmm. and you know they were so close.
0: No, oh, they were so
1: close. So close, um, and. Until John Snow managed to use statistics. Not the guy we see on the telly. No, I no. Um or the one in Game of Thrones. No. The Broad Street pump guy, sometimes known as well, one of the fathers of public health because the concept had been around yes, for a long yeah. time before. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: I um, mean, it was a conclave in Rome where all the, the popes were dying because of malaria. Yes. And it was indeed. malaria. Indeed. There you go. Um, Science.
1: Science is great. Science is great. And he he was a statistician. He wasn't medically Mm. trained at all, and there was a particularly virulent, virulent, Mm -hmm. put my teeth back in, outbreak of cholera, and he tracked it back to this particular pump, and that was the start of people beginning to understand Mm. that you know poor people didn't just get ill out of badness and spite, and they didn't live in horrible conditions because they enjoyed it. and you needed to keep your jobbies away from your clean water supply yeah. and, and from then they started to think about building proper sewers and I mean I, I've never seen them in person but the Baselgett sewers in, in London yeah. are apparently amazing yeah. you know the one thing you for all the faults that the Victorians may have handed down very utilitarian buildings mm. were built as though they were yes. cathedrals or and museums that... or you know you see pictures of it it's mm. like Wow, there's something that really no one was ever going to see. Mm. It's it's quite fascinating. Now everything's just a shed. Yeah, and some plastic pipes. pipes. We've lost the art of poo, I think.
0: Yeah.
1: On that note. On that note,
0: (laughs) on that note, on that note. So what else has been happening um, this month? Uh, So we had a coffee morning. We did a few weeks ago. There was cake. No, it was last week. There was cake. And we raised some money for the museum. We did. Um, And cake. I'm going to really briefly mention our Abernethy Witches Memorial Stone. Mm. Um, We are in the process of putting something in place and there will definitely be a whole podcast about that later. Um, The stone is now with the mason and we're just Mm -hmm. waiting to see a rough draw of the design before he starts to cut it out but again, we'll do more about that later um, We have a Village Voices event next Saturday
1: yes.
0: where we invite everyone locally to come in with um, perhaps an object from their past or a photo, a, a photo and to tell us about it and we record that and that we kind of take a photo and we add that, that to our, our record
1: for the future don't forget um, this year it's going to be extra special uh-huh. because, did I tell you this? I thought to, I may not have told you this. I don't know. Um, I've had some conversations with the very nice ladies in the church, yes. which is our one, of, also one of our neighbours, and anyone coming along to Village Voices um, will be able to get a cup of tea and a homemade cake in no, the please. Session House at the Kirk. They're going to open up for the afternoon while we're open. Um, so people can come in, tell us their story and then wander up to the Kirk and have a wee natter to them. Excellent uh, and a stuff. I may not be here, I may have to be up in the church. Right. Just quality control. Okay, yeah,
0: yeah. Sure yeah I'll, I'll be in Orkney, so I won't be here. <laughs> and then a few weeks after that, 16th of September. So the 16th and 17th of September is uh, Doors Open weekend in Perthshire. So the museum is free normally, um, so we're staying mm-hmm. free, obviously. Um, but to add a bit of extra value for Doors Open Day, we have Dr. Andrew Tibbs, who is going to be giving a free talk on uh, the Romans in Abernethy. Uh, If you go to the Pethicun Heritage Trust website, you should be able to link through to ticket bookings for that talk. Um, It's going to be 2 o'clock on Saturday the 16th in the Mason's Hall in Abernethy. So we're spreading the love. We are. And the ladies in the carpet are going to do TNK as well. Yep. The Kirk's going to be open for teas and coffees and cakes. Um, and I think maybe they're opening the church for yes, two as well? I
1: think they are. That It'll day too. Fabulous so things,
0: yeah. 16th of September would be a fantastic day to come yes. and visit Abernethy. We'll also um, be speaking to Andrew, and that will probably be the subject of our next podcast
1: too. And there will be lots of information in the coming days and weeks about both those events on our social media sites. So we are on Facebook and Twitter currently. Um, We do have an Instagram account that we've managed to lock ourselves out of, Mm. so we're working on that to get it back up and running, but certainly on Twitter and Facebook, if you search Museum of Abernethy, we should come up. There's also, however, an Abernethy Museum, which is in Saskatchewan, um, who also do wonderful things. Um, If you're listening, folks, good job. Um, That sounded a bit patronising, didn't it? No, it didn't. didn't. We're doing a good job, they're doing a good job. For our very different Abernethys, Yeah. Um, But yes, do follow us on socials. You'll hear all about our events and we post um, quite a lot of content of, you know, stuff that's in our photo archive, little snippets of information about the village and all that kind of stuff. So um, if you're interested, please do give us a follow. Yeah,
0: please do. And tell your friends and
1: get them to give us a follow.
0: Yeah, and then come if you're in the area, obviously. And bring your
1: friends. And bring
0: your friends. Okay. That's us for today. Um, Hopefully speak to each other and you can all listen to our waffling in a month's time again. Thank you. Bye. Bye.